As we welcome um, one of our favorite guests here at Oakwood University, give an Oakwood welcome to Minister Cynthia Hines. Come on, we could do better than that, Oakwood. Minister Cynthia Hines is going to bless us as we prepare for the Word of God. Anybody thankful for the blood this morning? Come on, anybody thankful for the blood this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
If you're thankful for the blood, let's just take about 30 more seconds and bless the name of the Lord. Praise him. Worship him. Show your gratitude. We are saved by the blood. Redeemed by the blood. Cleansed by the blood. 
Our salvation is the result of the blood, the blood. And I'm glad it doesn't expire. I'm glad it didn't go bad. But if you're thankful that it still works, say amen one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God today. And I just want to take a moment to thank Minister Hines. Not sure where she's visiting us from. But please let her know she is invited to come back again. Come on and say amen, of course. And I'm glad that she did not whisper that song. <laughs> when you when you talk about the blood, you gotta sing that song. Shout about it. Amen. And let's give our choir the voices of inspiration, a hearty amen. Thank you so much for your ministry today. This is our first time ministering together, and I believe we're going to go places, choir. We're going to do some things, and I'm excited to be sharing with you all in ministry. Uh, as many of our choirs are beginning to rebuild and take their place, we're thankful. And then we just want to remind you once again, before we get into the Word today, that we'll begin camp meeting Wednesday night. When did I say? Wednesday night. Our theme for this year's camp meeting is Almost Home. We are the host church for the South Central Conference camp meeting, and it would just be a tragedy if we invite folk to our church, and guess what? We are not there. So I know that we're in Huntsville, and, and we are the Mecca and all that stuff, but we still need Jesus. Come on and say amen. And so we want to encourage you to make sure that you make it a point, whether in person or online, to be a part of the camp meeting experience you don't want to have this move of God takes place, the visitation of God take place, and we not be present or we allow it to bypass us. Today, we want to get ready to jump quickly into the Word, but before I do that, I want to acknowledge one more very, very important birthday. One of the first ladies of our church just celebrated a birthday, Sister Lakeisha Williams. Will you stand, or did she step out? She just stepped out, but we just wanted to acknowledge her birthday. She celebrated a birthday on yesterday. I think she has family visiting from out of town in Maryland. Uh, and if you're here, uh, Lakeith's family, would you please stand? So let go ahead and stand up. Let's give it to our First Lady's family a hearty amen. Thank you for traveling from out of town to be with us today. Amen, amen. Today, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the Word. Is that all right? We're going to continue our series, and we hope to finish it last week. Um, but our soul got a little happy and we stayed a little longer last week. Uh, but just for the sake of sermon review, we preached part two of a sermon entitled, Claim Your Benefits. And, and we learned some things about faith last week. One of the first things we learned about faith is that real faith is not ignorant. Real faith is informed. So that when that lady approached Jesus, she didn't call him by his formal name. She called him by the family name as she referred to him as the son of David. And so sometimes when you approach Christ, you've got to know who he is. Can you say amen? Then the second thing we learned is that sometimes whatever you don't take to Jesus is going to wind up bringing you to Jesus. In other words, that little girl is demon-possessed, and because she did not take that girl to the Lord, that little girl wound up ushering her to the feet of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, we found out it is important for you to know who you are in Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus told her, I'm not only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, she understood her lineage in him, and she realized that she qualified for a blessing 
because she knows who she is in Jesus Christ. And so today we want to go ahead and jump right into the word once again as I give you the final installment of this message. And so do me a favor, if you're at home and you're online, be an electronic evangelist, a digital disciple, an Apple apostle. If you're on Facebook, go ahead and share the word a couple times on Facebook. Or if you're watching on YouTube, do me a favor, copy the link and send it to somebody as we close out this particular portion of our series. So do me a favor, stand to your feet as we repeat our declaration this morning about getting unrealistic. As that comes up on the screen, we're going to shout it uh, in unison together one more time. Let's say it together. Today, I recognize that my faith is greater than my reality. I refute the ordinary because I was created for the extraordinary. I will not allow what I see to determine what I believe. What I believe is going to determine what I see. I will pray unrealistic prayers, embrace unrealistic vision, begin unrealistic pursuits, and maintain unrealistic expectations. I will live by faith and not feelings. I will live by faith and not facts. I will live by faith and not common sense. Faith won't allow me to be realistic, afraid, comfortable, or limited. I am proud to say that I am unapologetically unrealistic. Give your neighbor a fist bump and say, get unreal. Get unreal. Amen. Turn to the other neighbor, give him a pound and say, keep it unreal today. Keep it unreal. Don't keep it real. Keep it unreal. <laughs> Amen. We're going to go back once again to the book of Matthew chapter 15. And once again, we're going to look together to verse 21, Matthew chapter 15. And we invite you to remain standing for the word Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to look together at verse number 21. Good to see my classmate Dino in the house. God bless you, brother. Glad God brought you safely here. Matthew 15 and verse 21. When you get there, just say amen for me. Matthew 15 and verse 21. I promise you I'm going to finish it today. I promise. Matthew 15 and verse 21. Bible says, then Jesus went thence. Actually, let me change that to the New King James Version. Matthew 15 and verse 21. The Bible says, then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Master, have mercy upon me. O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. The Bible says, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not exempt except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. And the Bible says, and her daughter was healed that very hour. Today, saints, for just a little while, I want to talk under the subject part three claim your benefits claim your benefits let's pray together father 
I pray that in this little while that you would say much. Father, I pray that you would help us to move from the concept of faith to the reality of faith. Help us to move from the theology of belief to the daily practice of belief. So Lord, once again, would you make your spirit so dense in this room that it suffocates every opposing principality? And so, Father, I pray that the word would bring comfort to those who are discomforted. But Lord, I pray that you would challenge us in such a way that you discomfort those who are too comfortable. So, Lord, would you hide me in the shadows of the cross that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard. And at the end of our time together, may Jesus alone be praised. We ask this in the name of him who is altogether lovely. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Let God's people say together, amen. And amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. Yesterday afternoon, I was leaving Huntsville Hospital. And as I was preparing to exit from the garage, when you get there to the pay stations, where you exit, there were two very long lines as people were waiting to exit the building. And so in order to expedite my wait, I pulled into the shorter of the two lines. And as I was waiting there in line, the person in the front of my line did not know how to use the machine. And so those to the right of me were going frequently past and exiting the building. And so because that line was moving, I decided to shift over into the lane to my right. And as soon as I got in the right lane, the person in the front of my line forgot their wallet. And so my line got held up and all of a sudden the lane to my left had begun to move quickly. And so because I've got somewhere to go and there was a break in the line, I shifted back over to the left lane. And, and as soon as I get back to the left lane, all of a sudden the pay station begins to malfunction and the lane to my right begins to move suddenly again. And so then because of impatience, I shift back to the right lane. And as I get into the right lane, both lanes are stuck and there is no traffic at all. And after a little while, the parking attendant, noticing that the, the machine in the left lane was not working, he went and opened it up with his car. And because the line was so backed up, he allowed the next 20 or 30 cars to go through without having to pay in order to exit the building. And if I had just stayed in my lane, I would have gotten out a little bit quicker and I would have had my fee paid. But because I'm focusing on how fast everyone else is moving, in the process I forfeit some benefits by changing lanes. And by changing lanes, I wind up staying there longer and it cost me more because I was impatient. And I guess what I'm saying is that when it comes down to faith, sometimes it's best to stay in the lane that God has for you. 
because we're impatient. Sometimes we're always looking for the shortest lane. And when you focus on the flow of traffic, instead of focusing on your path, you'll always be tempted to switch lanes ahead of schedule. And see, some of us are always looking for the shortest path to success. We're always looking for the shortest path to prosperity. We're always looking for the shortest path to wealth. Some are looking for the shortest path to the altar. And wrongly, we think there's a short path to spiritual growth. And what you don't realize is that sometimes it's hard being in the long line. But do I have a witness that sometimes there's a blessing in the long line? In fact, I want to encourage somebody that's in the waiting line today to stop looking at the traffic, to stop living in your peripheral vision and just focus on the path that God has for you. Because sometimes if you switch up too quickly, you might forfeit the blessings that God has in store for you in the lane that you are in. And let me just say to somebody who is in the tired space of waiting, I know it's hard waiting in line. Sometimes you get tired of being on that straight and narrow lane. But the good news about being in that straight and narrow lane is first it leadeth unto life. But when you're in the lane that God has for you, how many of us know that every now and then God opens up a lane and allows the traffic to get unblocked? But the good news about staying in the straight and narrow lane is guess what? The fare has already been paid. In other words, there is no price to admission. It has been purchased and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. Are you with me today, saints? And so go back with me, if you don't mind, to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 23. There are some things I want us to see in the scriptures today. Matthew 15 and verse 23. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. The Bible says, but he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. Now understand today, friends, that today's message should not just grow your faith in what God can do for you. It should also grow your faith in what you can do for other people. In fact, one of the first things this story teaches us is that sometimes in the church, when we don't know how to solve a problem, we just send it away. Now, now I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that this test in this story is not just a test for the woman. It is actually a test for the disciples to see if they understand their assignment and to see if they've laid claim to certain benefits that God has promised to them. And so remember now, this woman comes to Jesus and she cries out for help because her daughter is severely possessed by a demon. And understand that in this moment, Jesus intentionally creates a moment of awkwardness because the Bible says he does not answer her a word. Now to be clear, saints, that she is demonstrable in her expression. She is passionate 
in her plea and she directs all of her attention to Jesus and yet Jesus does not even respond and understand this is out of character for Christ because Jesus always has a response and he always has a clever reply no matter what the situation is but understand that by not responding Jesus is highlighting his disciples unreadiness and their lack of faith to lay claim to his promises in other words when Jesus does not respond of the requests made of him maybe she gets to a place where she does not ask anything of the disciples but maybe she just looks to them to see if they're going to advocate on her behalf maybe she just shoots them a look to see if they're going to help her rightly interpret the silence maybe she's just looking for them to point them in the right direction but because they don't have enough power to help their impotence literally brings such conviction that they want to push the woman away and could it be friends of mine the reason Jesus does not respond is he's trying to create an opportunity for the disciples to step in and show who God has made them to be y'all not with me yet See, see, understand that Jesus' mission is about two-thirds of the way complete. And Jesus knows that in order for them to function in his name after he leaves, they've got to start practicing how to function in his name even when he is still present. And see, Jesus is noticing a very dangerous pattern amongst the disciples that when they don't know how to solve a problem they just send the problem away what do you mean pastor go back one chapter to Matthew chapter 14 and remember when the crowds had followed Jesus all day and before Jesus fed the 5,000 remember the instructions of the disciples to Jesus they said master send them away to the villages so that they might get something to eat and notice that Jesus said to them them. you give them something to eat but they got all these reasons why they can't perform anything and do anything for the people and Jesus does in their presence the miracle he would have wanted them to do after he had already departed and even one chapter later as soon as they face their next challenge as soon as they're confronted with another conundrum instead of addressing the problem their habit is to send away the problem as he understand friends of mine that in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7 remember the instruction of Jesus to the disciples he told them to go and preach that the kingdom of heaven was at hand he told them to feed the hungry to heal the lepers cause the lame to walk and he told them to cast the demons out and it's amazing friends because they're at a place that the only thing that they have faith to do is to receive but they don't have the faith to distribute or to give 
And see, the problem, saints, is the reason they are powerless is because they don't see themselves as a solution. Where the church at today? See, when you don't see yourself as a solution to the problem, your automatic response is to send the problem away. In other words, friends, I need y'all to see this moment with me. In other words, when Jesus does not reply, he is literally designing an opportunity. He is creating a space for the disciples to step in and exercise the spiritual authority that had been promised. So that at the very worst, they should have begun petitioning Jesus on the woman's behalf. But at their very best, they should have said, what's your daughter's name? And if she says, my baby's name is Lashon, they should have said, we call out Beelzebub in the name of Lashon because of the authority we have in Jesus. But understand that because they don't have power, the woman's need highlights their impotence. Her need highlights their deficiency. And because they don't want their deficiency to be exposed, they just want to send the problem to somebody else. And can I just say this, friends of mine, that one of the habits in the body is that sometimes we always tend to send away problems that we don't know how to solve. And see, from the outside, their behavior looks like calculated indifference or religious unconcern when the truth is that there is simply an incompetence and an impotence to be able to handle the situation they are facing. And how many of us agree that that sometimes when we can't handle a problem, we just send the problem to somebody else. And the truth is the same even in our time. There are certain problems that we don't know how to address so that we just send the problems away. In other words, in the church, we don't really know how to deal with mental illness. And because we don't know how to deal with it, we just send it away. We don't know how to deal with domestic violence in the church. And because we don't know how to deal with it, we just send it away. Because we don't know how to deal with mass shootings in our community, we don't know how to deal with it, so we just pray it away. Because we don't know how to deal with homosexuality, all we do is just hide it under the covers and sweep it away in the corner. Because we don't know how to deal with it, we just send it away. And see, what we do is we issue statements of condemnation, but we bypass the actual issue. And the thing we are good at is sometimes we say we just need to focus on the second coming of Jesus exclusively. And the reason we only want to focus on the end is because we don't have power to deal with what's happening right now because we haven't laid claim to the authority that God has invested in the sons and daughters of God. And see, can I just say this during this general conference session? The reason we don't know what to do is because when we meet, we're focusing on church policy instead of community problems. Oh, y'all not hearing me today. 
In other words, we are focusing on how we function instead of how to heal their issues. Where the church at today? See, the problem with upper church management is we're clear on articulating our position, but we never articulate a strategy. In other words, we got a position on gun violence, but we've got no strategy for gun violence. We've got a position on homosexuality, but we've got no strategy to deal with homosexuality. We've got a position on mental illness, but we've got no strategy for mental illness. And what I'm saying to the leadership of the church is when we gather, some point, God, grass shootings ought to get on the agenda. At some point, domestic violence ought to get on the agenda. At some point, community hunger ought to get on the agenda. At some point, police shootings ought to get on the agenda. We ought to stop gathering just to focus on our policy and figure out a way to bless our community. Are you hearing me today, saints? And see, friends of mine, I just don't mean this specifically to the upper management of the church. I need every member of the body to understand that there is no problem you encounter that you're powerless to affect. See, how many of us understand in the church that wherever you land, you've been assigned by God? And if God has sent you there, he has sent you not to just be an observer, but to be a solution to a problem. And that's crazy because some of us are still looking at me and saying, well, pastor, I can't do anything because I'm not a pastor or, or I'm not a preacher or I'm not a famous person or, or a wealthy person. I need you to understand that you got to get to a place where you just use whatever God has given you. Uh, can I say to somebody that if you've got money in your pockets and you've got food in your refrigerator, guess what? You can help the issue of hunger in our community. I need somebody to understand, friends of mine, that if you've got 5,000 followers on Instagram, it's because God has given you influence with people. But you've got to stop taking selfies and start being a helpy. Where y'all at today, church? In other words, friends, if you've got a spare bedroom, you can bless somebody. If you've got room in your back seat, you can bless somebody. Do you realize that you can help somebody if you just opened up your mouth and said, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Is there anybody that understands that your testimony has the power to deliver the captives? It is why the devil works so hard to make you ashamed of where God has brought you from. But I want to just release somebody today. Don't ever be ashamed of where God has brought you from and what God has brought you out of. And see, I need you to know that when you've come out, you become the devil's worst nightmare because you've got the combination to the slavish bands of iniquity and he doesn't want other folk to get the combination that God has put under your care. In other words, you can help somebody. You realize that if we just lay claim to the Holy Ghost like we should, do you realize, friends of mine, that the most underclaimed benefit in Christ 
<laughs> slow it down. The most underclaimed benefit is the presence of the Holy Ghost. I love what Jesus says. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, I'm that much more willing to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. See, the problem with some is we think the disciples didn't get the Holy Ghost until the day of Pentecost. But the Bible says that he already breathed the Holy Spirit on them. And there were times that the demons were already subject to them. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And what I'm saying today is that there got to be some Holy Ghost filled saints who understand that the veil has been removed, that we are not under the priestly order anymore, where only those who are Levites by, by genealogy have access to the oracles of God. But how many of us know that we are under the priesthood of all believers? So that all of us have access to the power and the agency of the Holy Ghost. In other words, church, if somebody needs special prayer, you ain't got to send them to the pastor's office. You ought to take them to a corner of the church and pray down the fire of God over their life and their experience. If somebody needs a word, you ain't got to call Pastor Williams. Open up your own Bible and go line upon line and precept upon precept. If somebody needs something to eat, you ain't got to send them the community service. Open up your own wallet. And if you ain't got no money, do like Peter and say, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Are y'all hearing the word today? In other words, if somebody walked through this door full of a thousand evil spirits, nobody shouldn't cry and say, where's Pastor Snail? There ought to be some Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, blood-washed saints of the Most High God that can roll up on Beelzebub and say in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, by the power invested in me, I command you to come out because I've got the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me today, saints? And see, the problem is because we don't have power, we want to send away the problem. And instead of sending away the problem, we just need to lay claim to the power that Jesus has made available to us. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? Second thing, we learned from this story is that the only favor you need comes from God. <laughs> I need somebody to hear me on this, that the only favor you will ever need comes from Jehovah. You see, one of the things I love about this woman is no matter what these disciples say, she keeps her focus on Jesus. You, you see, you see, love that she doesn't try to politic her way to Jesus. In other words, she doesn't try to get next to Peter in order to get close to Jesus. She doesn't promise favors to John in order to get close to Jesus. She doesn't flirt with Andrew in order to get close to Jesus. 
In other words, she bypasses all the middleman and goes straight and makes her request known to the son of David because she realizes that the only favor that matters is his. See, this is why she is not offended or put off by how the disciples treat her. Because if she came expecting their favor, then she would have been disappointed when they rejected her. But see, the one thing the lady understands is that it doesn't really matter how they feel about her. The only thing that matters is how Jesus feels about her. And see, the reason I'm saying this, beloved, is that there are some of us that spend too much time trying to get close to important people. We spend a lot of time trying to get close to important people that we think is able to do something for us. But how many of us understand that people cannot do for you anything that God cannot already perform? Uh, see, see, we spend these time trying to develop these relationships with folk, trying to get close to that person. And see, there are some of us that have gotten into this habit where we try to keep our ear low to the ground. We become connoisseurs of information. It is why we pledge this sorority and that frat in the name of networking and upward mobility. And I'm not here to condemn any of that, but I need you to understand that it is only God that opens opens up doors that no man can shut and God shuts doors that no man can open. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And see, I want to just say this simply like this. You need to be careful about trying to engineer human favor. Because you know what I've learned, choir? Human favor is like a mortgage payment. You've always got to pay it back with interest. Where, where y'all at today? In, in other words, it's, it's like a house loan. You only borrow this much, but you got to pay back that much. And if you don't pay it, there's foreclosure. Come on and say amen. So, so I want to just encourage somebody today, be careful about flirting with the boss to get ahead. Because that mortgage payment is going to come due. Be careful about compromising your values to get down the way. Because that mortgage payment is going to come due. Be careful about where you pledge your loyalties. Because that payment is going to come due. Be eerily aware of people that claim to do this for you. And promise to do that for you. And they're saying they're always operating on your behalf. Because all they're doing is trying to compound interest over your life. So that you live forever in debt with them. You realize that a mortgage payment is not designed to help you get a house. It's designed to help you stay indebted to the bank no 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 real talk like if you look at your monthly payment you actually pay off the length of the amount of your loan in about 12 years but the reason the mortgage is 30 years is because it's designed to make you pay back more than what you actually received and engineered favor is simply you accumulating a debt that's greater than what you have received. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? 
And that's why the Bible in the book of Romans says that you ought not owe no man anything but the outstanding debt of love. Because at the end of the day, friends of mine, I'm at a place where even if I have to take the long road, even if I don't have as much human support, even if you have to go up the rough side of the mountain, you don't have to get to take the elevator. Some of us have to take the stairs up the way of life, but I would rather take the stairs than to mortgage my faith or mortgage my integrity. And the one thing I never want to mortgage is the glory of God. Ah. See, in other words, you don't want to mortgage the glory of God. What do you mean, pastor? How many of us want to get to a place where when God opens the door and when God positions you, you don't have to look around and say, it was because of what they did for me that I got to where I am. When I get to where God wants me to be, I want to be like the psalmist and say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, in other words, I want to thank those that helped me but I'm going to give the glory to the God who exalted me. Are you hearing me today, saints? And one of the things I want us to understand fundamentally is that favor comes from God. Are y'all with me today, church? All right, so can we go to the good book for just a moment? Go with me in your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 16. Proverbs, turn in your Bibles with me. Let me teach you just a moment. Proverbs 18 and verse 16. When you get there, say, I'm there. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16. In other words, you don't have to uh, sign up for this. You don't have to pledge for that. I need you to know that it is God that is going to position you where you're supposed to be. Proverbs 18 and verse 16. Turn in y'all Bibles. Y'all waiting for it to come on the screen. <laughs> Go to the word. Proverbs 18 and verse 16. The Bible says that a man's what? Gifts make room for him and brings him before great men. In other words, saints, I need you to understand that you don't have to get in with them in order to get where you want to go. Because how many of us know that it is the gift that was assigned to you by God that opens up doors for you that man is unable to deny? Are y'all hearing the word today, saints? Go with me over in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29. Proverbs 22 and verse 29. When you get there, just say, Pastor, I'm there. Proverbs 22 and verse 29. Hear the word of the Lord. The Bible says, do you see a man who excels in his work? The Bible says he will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. I need you to understand, beloved, that the key to success, friends of mine, is making sure you manage your gift, that you are diligent with your gift, that you multiply and enlarge upon your gift. And the Bible says that you won't have to chase down man's favor, but the excellence of your work will open up doors and bring you before great men are people of influence. Are y'all hearing the word today, saints? In fact, I want you to go a little further. Go to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 7. There's some things I need you to see today. Proverbs 16 and verse 7. When you get there, let me hear you say amen one more time. 
Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7 because see there are some who feel like I got to do certain things because my enemies are greater than my allies and I got folk coming for me when I didn't send for them but I need somebody to undermine this Proverbs 16 and verse 7 when you get there say amen the Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him Oh God, do you realize the favor of God is so strong that God will make folk who don't like you start liking you? That, that my God will take folk who are against you and he'll reverse it and make them your advocates. Oh, okay, it's going to get better in just a minute. Go over to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23 and verse 11. Listen, we're going we're gonna to rejoice in a minute. Numbers 23 and verse 11. When you get there, say amen. Numbers 23 and verse 11. Now, you remember the story of Balak where he sent the false prophet Balaam to send curses on the land of Israel. I need you to understand that God intervened in the situation. And God sent blessings instead of curses. Then the word says in verse 11, Then Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you have blessed them. You have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? In other words, the prophet is like, I went to curse, but by the time it got from my belly, out of my mouth, it turned into a blessing. And see, how many of us know that God will favor you in such a way that on your job, they may come with the intent to fire you. They call you into the office, give you a pink slip, and they say, you're your f- your f- your f- promoted with a raise y'all not here in other words ah your spouse was so angry they called and say i want to d- 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 i want to d- i want to d- i want to d- i want to keep working it out are y'all hearing me today ah in other words, when you apply for the loan at the house, the loan officer calls you in because your credit is in the 300s. They say, sir, I hate to inform you, but your loan application has been... D- 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 it's been... D- 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 it's been... D- 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 it's been approved with a lower interest rate. How many of us know that when you're under favor, they may send curses but in midair they turn into blessings because God will make even your enemies be at peace with you. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And it's crazy, church, because the woman focuses on Jesus because she knows, remember we said, who she is. She recognizes that she is a daughter and even though the sons say send her away she knows i'm a daughter and because i'm a daughter 
what the son say can't change how the father feels about a daughter. <laughs> so let me say it this way. In my house, my two sons probably rightly believe that my daughter gets away with more stuff than what the boys are allowed. So there are times where I'm going to do something for my daughter and my sons kind of gang up on her. And they're like, well, Brooke did this wrong and Brooke did that wrong. And see, they think because they are sons, they can change the way I feel about the daughter. But because I've already decided what I'm going to give the daughter, none of the other children can change what she's going to receive. There are times where the youngest two get tired, they're going to gang up on the oldest child. But because I've decided what I'm going to give the oldest child, what the other kids say doesn't really matter about how I'm going to take care of that one. There are times where the older two want to go ahead and expose the youngest one. But what I have intended for the younger one is not going to be changed by what the other children say. And what I'm saying to somebody today is that it doesn't matter what he thinks, it doesn't matter what she thinks, thinks it doesn't matter what they think as long as you know who you are in Christ it doesn't matter what the other children say as long as you know who you are in the Lord are y'all hearing me today saints third thing this teaches us friends of mine is that faith doesn't mind watching other people eat <laughs> It's going to get rough in here for a minute. <laughs> All right, so, so play along with me. Jesus says, okay, I'm only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the lady, the girl, she knows who she is. She knows who, I, who she is in him. So she's already traced her lineage all the way back to the Canaanite who, who, woman who had a baby with Simeon. And she says, okay, you sent to the lost sheep. We don't circumcise. We, we don't keep the Sabbath. Yet we are part of that lost lineage in Israel. So guess what, Jesus? We qualify. I'm here to claim that benefit. And so Jesus, wanting to test her faith a little bit more, says some other things to her. Now, now I want to pause and say this. When, when, when I talk about Jesus testing her faith, I want to be clear that Jesus already knows how much faith she has. Y'all with me? In other words, he's not trying to make her audition for a blessing. So, so when he talks about testing the faith, in other words, what he wants is her faith to be revealed. Stay with me, church. He wants her faith to be demonstrated. He wants to put her faith on display. See, the reason Jesus drags this thing out is he wants his disciples to get a lesson in what real faith looks like. Are y'all with me today, saints? In other words, friends of mine, every now and then in the journey of faith, Jesus needs a demonstration. Every now and then, he draws some things out so your faith can be put on display. So understand, when the Bible talks about how he tests 
this person's faith or Job's faith was tested. Understand this is not a situation where God is trying to make somebody audition or prove how much they believe. Remember we already learned three weeks ago that Jesus put himself in her path. He had already determined that he was going to bless her so he is not trying to make her audition to receive what he already intended. But when the Bible talks about testing faith it is the reference to especially in the new testament a reference to the roman practice of how a shield would be formed so understand that when the silversmith finished a shield before he put it in the hands of the shoulder soldier what he did was he tested it and so in order to test it, what he would do is there would be a public demonstration where he would take it through a, a, a gamut of buffeting tests where it would be hammered publicly, where it would be exposed to fire publicly, it would be exposed to elements publicly. And the reason he tested it, it was not to prove something to the silversmith who created it. It was designed to authenticate it before the soldier so that they know that it's a able to handle the tests that are going to come its way. And every now and then, friends, what God designs to do is he says, I need to test the shield of your faith. I need to take it through some buffetings so that those who are around you will have a demonstration that faith is capable. All right, so some of us ain't rejoicing yet. See, this won't make sense, friends, until you understand your life is not your own. Then Paul say, we are made a spectacle unto men and unto angels. So you walking around acting like you own the deed to your own life. But do you realize you were brought with a price and you are his workmanship and every now and then God draws some things out because there are some people that are about to go where God has already sent you and in order for them to know that faith works, they need to see a demonstration. So in other words, there's somebody that needs to be a demonstration that when life wipes you all out, that you can start over again in Christ. That when you get wiped out financially, God needs a demonstration to teach the world that God is able to restore the years that the locusts have taken and God is able to restore what the canker worm is eating away. After the divorce, sister, God needs you to be a demonstration of forgiveness so your children are not corrupted by the root of bitterness. Sometimes God needs a demonstration of how to grieve and come through it with your faith intact. Sometimes God needs a demonstration of what it means to have your enemies come for you when you didn't sin for them. Sometimes God needs a demonstration of what it's like to suffer with affliction in your body and understand the reason some folk don't believe God is able is because they've never ever seen a demonstration. 
But do I have seven or eight saints who are willing to say, Lord, I want you to get the glory from my life. Lord, I won't just glorify you in song. I won't just glorify you with my mouth. But Lord, get the glory from my life's experience. See, y'all remember, I need y'all to get this, that being a test case is the highest compliment. Oh God. Being a test case is the highest compliment God can give you. Hast thou considered my servant Job? You remember the devil didn't ask for Job. Job was recommended by God. So favor wasn't just the house. It wasn't just the cattle. It wasn't just that he had more than everything else. But when God needed a test case, he had somebody he could count on that would bring his name to glory. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today, saints? And understand, beloved, that this is the other side of favor. See, favor isn't just who he blesses the most. It's who he tests the most. Oh, God. In, in other words, anybody remember that child that always got called up to the chalkboard in school? In other words, that child that the teacher always picked on to go and give the answers in front of the class. When you're growing up, you think the teacher's calling on you because they're trying to surprise you on a day when you don't have the answers. No, when you keep getting called on, it's not because you don't have the answers. It's because the teacher has so much trust or belief that they need somebody to testify that the answer is already present. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So there's an ugly side of favor. Are y'all hearing me? So Jesus says, <laughs> it's actually, like when you look at it, it's actually kind of funny. He says, <laughs> I can't take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. So at first, he says, I'm only sent to the chosen house. She says, I qualify, I claim that benefit. But then he goes a little further, drags it out, says, listen, I can't take the food and give it to the dogs. Now, now, now but she says, okay, Jesus, that's how you want to play it. I'm here for this. She says, but even the dogs... Oh, God. Oh, I feel my help coming on. She says, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now, understand that that word crumbs is not talking about the tiny particles that get caught in your beard or mustache. That that word crumbs is actually better in uh, translated scraps or leftovers. Now, y'all got to remember in order to get this, back in the day, dogs didn't eat dog food. They ate the same food that people ate. So that when it was time to eat, you didn't cook one meal and put it on the table. 
and then go to your pantry and get some Alpo. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And, and understand that because, similar to now, because dogs are a part of the family, when the people ate, all dinner was, was a dog watching people eat first. <laughs> so that guess what? When the dogs was watching the people eat, they didn't get mad. When they saw the people eating, the dogs started licking his lips. When they saw people eating, the dog started wagging his tail. When the people, see, saw the people eating, the dog started sitting up because he knew that when they were eating, it was just a matter of time before their portion was about to come. So when they were sitting at the table, the dog didn't get mad. The dog got turned up because he knew that his portion was about to come. Now watch this. You remember like most times when you cook a big meal, most of us don't have portion control to a science. So that at your Thanksgiving dinner, have you ever noticed at your Christmas dinner, you almost throw away more food than you consume. So you're actually looking for somebody, your cousin, and pooking them to come by because you got so much left over that if you don't, it's gonna go bad. So that those who come for the leftovers actually get more than those who are actually sitting at the table. <laughs> are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So, so she says, I'm like a little dog. I don't get mad when other people eat. I don't mind watching other people eat first. Now this is important because some of us get moved out of faith when we have to watch other people eat. Oh, help me Lord. See, some of us lose faith when other people get to the financial table first. When others get to the medical table first. When others get to the romantic table first. When others get the healing first. We get all bent out of shape because we have to watch somebody else eat. And I guess what I'm saying to somebody today is instead of getting mad that you have to watch somebody eat, maybe you ought to praise God that you got a seat at the table. You ought to thank him that you're close enough to where the meal is being served. See, and let me just be, it is hard in your flesh if you're not looking through the eyes of the spirit to watch other people eat. Am I telling the truth? It's hard to see somebody else eating financially when you're not. It's hard to see somebody at the table of motherhood when you haven't been able to get there yet. It's hard to see somebody at the table of matrimony when your Boaz is nowhere in sight. It's hard to see somebody at the table of financial prosperity when you're struggling to pay the bills. But I need you to get this, friends, that when you are at the table, don't get mad at having to watch other people eat first. Oh, help me. That's the word for somebody. 
don't leave the table because you're watching somebody else eat. See, see, this is why the Bible says, see, unless you understand this principle, you will live your life trying to avoid other people's prosperity. See, as quiet as it's kept in the church. See, the Bible says we're supposed to rejoice. Oh, y'all mighty quiet in here today. Don't act brand new with me today. The Bible says we're supposed to rejoice with those that rejoice. But as quiet as it's kept, some of us are so tiny and small and jealous hearted that we can't rejoice when others rejoice. The truth is we rejoice when others fail and, 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 and we begin to get, we only rejoice when others are doing bad. And what I'm saying is I don't want to be so small in my faith where I have to avoid your prosperity. I want to get to a place where I can celebrate your prosperity. See, the problem with some of us is our faith only grows in a vacuum. But God has set up church where faith is supposed to grow in community. Oh, I'm going to keep preaching this. See, you only rejoice when you get blessed. But when somebody in the community gets blessed, guess what? I shout as if I got blessed. In other words, when they get a house, you ought to shout like you got a house. When they get healed, you ought to shout like you got healed. When they lose some weight, you ought to rejoice like you lost some. If they find a good man, you rejoice like you got a good man. If their marriage gets back together, rejoice like your marriage got back together. Why? Because if you're at the table, it's just a matter of time before you get to share in the portion. And if you watch them eat first, you'll get more than those who are seated at the table. Are y'all hearing me today? Listen, listen, I'm almost done, but watch this. I remember back in January, I went to preach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I went to preach for Pastor uh, Austin Humphreys and his wife, Jaleesa. He grew up in this church. Y'all know who I'm talking about. And it's crazy because I stayed with them for the weekend and they got this big black dog. It's some type of Labrador of some sort. And the dog's name is Bane. And that's crazy. I hadn't been around dogs really like that since I was a little boy. So like, you know, when we were growing up, same thing. Like the dogs kind of ate what we ate. So when I get to the house, and, and, and see, Bane, he knew I was a rookie. <laughs> he took advantage of my ignorance. So whenever we sat down at the table, he would come right next to my leg and start wagging his tail. And so when I felt his tail beating on my leg, I would just take some of whatever we was eating, put it down on a napkin and let him eat some of it too. And so after a while I did that and they, and they saw me doing it, they were like, no, he's not supposed to eat human food. He's a dog. And I'm tripping because I'm like, all our dogs ate was human food, right? So, so because I'm now trying to obey the rules of the house, whenever we sat down at the table, Bane would come and he would start wagging his tail next to my leg but because I want to obey the master of the house, I don't give him no food. So then he comes around to the other side, rubs up against my other leg, and starts wagging his tail. But because I'm trying to obey the rules of the house, 
I don't give him no food. But because I'm taking too long to feed him bread from the master's table, let me tell you what Bain does. This is the table. He takes his head and puts it on the table. And he just starts wagging his tail. No, I need you to know he doesn't bark. He doesn't growl. He doesn't howl. He just keeps his head on the table to let me know that I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to be in this position. I'm going to keep anticipating until some food falls from the master's table. Do I have any saints? You ain't got it yet. But you saying to God, I'm putting my head on the table of faith. I ain't going to bark. Ain't gonna growl. I'm just gonna wait. I want you to know, Lord, that I'm not going nowhere. I'm like Jacob. I'm gonna remain and I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. Somebody put your head on the table today. Are you hearing the word today? Remain, abide, be still. Let them eat first, but know that your portion is in roots. Are y'all hearing me, saints? And listen, see, last thing I like about this lady's faith. Listen, I'm done. She got so much faith that the word is her only receipt. <laughs> I need to end this sermon, but it's so good to me. So Jesus says, man, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. You know why I'm tripping, Dr. Dent? Because the lady stops her protest right there. In other words, she's not like Jesus. You got to come with me. I got to see this demon leave before I depart. In other words, she's good. Not because she sees it. <laughs> She's straight. No, no, no. She ain't going home waiting to see if it's done. She's skipping. Because she knows it's done. And the only receipt she has is the fact that Jesus said it. Oh, Lord. And see, understand, Jesus says, I hadn't seen this kind of faith in Israel. Why? Because when Jairus came to see Jesus, he says, you got to come to my house. Remember when Peter's mother-in-law was healed, Jesus had to come to the house. Mary and Martha were mad when Lazarus died because they said, if you had only been here. But the greatest acts of faith came from a Roman centurion an unbelieving Canaanite who don't have to see it in order to believe it. But as long as he speaks it, then the word settles it and the word becomes the receipt. Now, what are you talking about receipts for, Pastor? See, the receipt is the proof that you made a transaction. So if it's defective, you take back your receipt which is proof of the transaction. 
But guess what? The only receipt she needed was the word. She didn't need him to come. You know why she didn't need him to come? Because she knew Jesus could even do it from a distance. Okay, some of y'all didn't get that. We be walking around like, Lord, if I could only have seen you walk on this earth, if I could have just walked with you, if I could have just talked with you, then I would believe. But understand that if she believed he could do it from a distance, then shouldn't we believe that he can do it from a distance right now and hear the prayers of his people? And see, there's somebody that's got to get to a place, my friends, where his word is your receipt where you don't believe because you see it you believe simply because he promised it and see I need you to know that his spoken word is not more authentic than the written word what you talking about pastor the written word has just as much authority as the spoken word. Where the church at? The written word has just as much authority as the spoken word. Because guess what? A verbal contract is binding. But guess what? A verbal contract can't always be proven. But a written contract is going to stand up in court because the terms cannot be violated because it's written down. And how many of us know that his word is going to always stand up in court? Not just because he said it, but because he written it. We know that his word is going to come to pass. Listen, I'm done. You can play something for me. Listen, I need somebody to understand that faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. See, friends of mine, we got to get to a place where we stop treating the promises of God. See, some of us read the word like we read comic books. See, the problem is we treat Jesus like one of the Avengers. See, for some of us, like this sermon, for some of us, it's just good entertainment. He was just kind of funny. <laughs> but I love what Ellen White says. She says we got to get to a point where faith treats the promises of God like a living transaction. And the scriptures become the receipt or the guarantee that everything he says is going to come to pass. And see, unrealistic faith fundamentally is moving you to a place, friends of mine, where you believe everything God says or you don't believe nothing he says. You gotta either get to a place where you believe God can do the impossible or you just gotta say, I don't believe in God anymore at all. And friends of mine, I need us to know friends of mine that you didn't have to walk with him. You didn't have to see it in person. What he breathed and inspired into being through the scripture, that's the receipt. It's the guarantee. It is the assurance that no matter what comes, no matter how tall the obstacle, no matter how wide the obstruction, no matter how, how dense the opposition, 
our God will make a way somehow. How many of us believe he makes a way? How many of us believe he comes through right on time? How many of us know that he does the impossible? How many of us know that not only is he able, I need you to know that your God is willing, that everything that concerns you concerns him, and that there is no sorrow, no grief, no distress that is beyond the view of God. I want somebody to know who you are. I want you to know whose you are. I want you to know where favor comes from. And you may be in the long line. You may be in the back of the line, but don't change lanes. Stay in the path that God has for you. And even if you have to watch somebody else eat, I need you to know, as long as you got a seat at the table, your portion's going to come. Your power. Your power. You perform miracles. 
genuinely thankful that he made a way. Hallelujah. You made a way. Made a way. I don't know why, but I'm grateful that he made a way. You. you hallelujah. Made a way. Hallelujah. You made a way. You made a way. I don't know. Don't know how, but you did it. You made a way. Hallelujah. Made a way. Don't know how, but you did it. Don't know how, but you did it. You made a way. I don't know how he does it, but he did it. We're standing here. And we're standing here. Only. Only because you made a way. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful that he made a way? Yeah. Come on, are you really thankful that he made a way? Yeah. Then our soul sings. It says, then sings my soul. Then sings my soul. My Savior. My Savior. Come on, you know the hymn. Just says how great thou art for making a way how how great thou art come on how great thou art how great how great thou art come on sing it it says then sings my soul then sings my soul my savior my says how great thou art come on sing it how great thou art how great how great come on if you know it stand on your feet and sing this with us it says then sings my soul then sings How great thou art. 
standing as we prepare to close out this service. My first appeal is for the general body. There is one benefit that too often goes unclaimed. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. If there was one result, two things you should have gotten from this whole unrealistic series, it is how to more stand more firmly planted on the word. And it is to understand the access that we have to all the agency in Christ. So do me a favor for just 20 seconds. I need you to get that the spirit is not given based on merit. Spirit is received based on requests. It's only condition make the ask and don't look for a feeling in order to believe you got to believe ahead of your feelings so 20 seconds just take a moment you're just praying lord fill me saying lord enter in or you're saying i've already received the holy spirit lord i need more of thee or maybe you're just saying, Lord, I make myself more available to thee. So we can stop pushing problems away. We can start becoming the solution. My second appeal is this. Holy Spirit, would you set the captives free would you loose the bound would you let heaven rejoice when at least one sinner says yes to you today i need you to know the best way jesus ever made he made a way but the but the best thing he ever made a way for it wasn't just for a bill to be paid it wasn't just for an enemy to be overthrown he made a way for you and I to be saved. And so I need you to know that even salvation, you receive it not through works or good deeds, but through faith. But the Bible says faith without one work is, without works is dead. But this is the one action you gotta do today. You gotta decide. You've gotta yield, you gotta say yes. So there's somebody here today in the building or watching online that needs to make a decision to say, I want to be in one of the next baptisms of this church. I want to go all the way. I want to profess my love for Jesus publicly through baptism, through the remission of every single one of my sins. 
And there were some individuals who raised their hand earlier during the appeal, during the baptism. You raised your hand, but we weren't able to get to you right away. If you raised your hand already, I need you to move on down to the aisle. Come down to the front, give me your hand and give Jesus your heart. Those who already said yes, young, young, young adult, wherever you were, we didn't get to you earlier, but would you come on down and say yes to Jesus Christ? They say, I want to be baptized. I want to go all the way with Jesus Christ. God bless you, little sister. What a bold declaration in Jesus. God bless you. Is there somebody else today? You want to make a decision to go all the way with Jesus? Maybe you're in the balcony, you're on the floor. You want to say, I don't want to let another week go by. I don't want to let another appeal go by without saying yes to my Lord and Savior. And if you're here today, the Spirit of God is moving upon your heart. Why don't you come? God bless you, little man. That's a good decision. God bless you. Come right here. Is there somebody else today? You want to make that decision to go all the way with Jesus Christ? You're under the balcony, in the balcony, on the floor. He, he made the way for salvation. He just needs you to walk through it. And you've been contemplating for some time. You've been saying, I know what I need to do, but now it's just time for you to do it. It's time to act on it. So today, my brother, if you're here, before we go into our camp meeting break, would you make that decision today, brother? As the Spirit of God is moving upon your heart, won't you come? Sister, if you're here today, Spirit of God is calling you, won't you come? Maybe there's a family, there is a unit. There is a unit that needs to decide today. Don't, don't talk yourself out of it. Don't think your way out of it. Just say yes to his will. Yes to his way. If you're watching online, you can go to OUC.org forward slash connect car. You make that decision. Somebody from our team will follow up with you by the middle of this week to give you some next step in the journey of discipleship. Won't you come today? Won't you come? So today if you're here, don't say later, don't say tomorrow. Say yes. I will receive Jesus. He is my Savior and my Lord. God bless you, ladies. Way to lead. God bless you. Praise God. Come on down. Three young ladies for Jesus. God bless you. Come on down. Doors of the church are still open. We're not going to hold this appeal much longer, but we just want to give one or two last persons, one or two last families an opportunity to say yes. An opportunity to say yes. I promise you we're not trying to drag this portion out, but I just, I just sense, I sense there's somebody else that needs to say yes to the Lord. And see, this is the preacher's apprehension. We stand and we make this call. And I know there's somebody who's saying, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it next week. I'm going to do it after camp meeting, or I'm going to do it on my birthday, or I'm going to do it when such and such is in town. But pastors in my line, the one thing this job teaches us, that tomorrow is not promised. There was somebody that walked into a shopping mart in Buffalo thinking, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. There are some kids that went into a school in Texas thinking, or teachers thinking, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. But I need you to know tomorrow is only a concept. The only guarantee is right now. So today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So the Spirit of God is moving upon you.
Just tell your neighbor, excuse me, come down, give me your hand, give Jesus your heart. Prayer warriors, would you pray, just, would you intercede for just a moment? If you're online, OUCSDA.org forward slash connect card. We're not going to be here next week. We're going to be in camp meeting. So I'm just, I want to get it all in this week. And I'm going to get that last invitation. I want to get that last invitation. I want to get that last invitation. Won't you come? My last appeal for the greater body. You just want to agree with what has been written, what has been preached for weeks. You're just saying, Pastor, I agree. I'm not going back to being realistic. Lord, I want unrealistic faith. If you agree, just raise your hand wherever you are today. I want unrealistic faith. I want ridiculous faith. I, I, I want unimaginable faith. That's where God, I want to be. So just, you're just keeping a hand held up. God bless you, we're gonna pray. God bless you ladies, come on down, praise God. Do me a favor, cheer these ladies on to Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. And even as I'm praying, if you wanna come, you can still make this journey. The doors of the church are open until we, we close this service out. And even after the service, if you need to see somebody, you can still do it just the same. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. And for anything that is good, anything that edifies, anything that grows your kingdom, only all the glory belongs to you. And Father, anything that was said out of turn or anything that was uncouth or unclear, I acknowledge that only the mistakes are mine. So Lord, today I'm asking twofold for the body. Lord, we want to lay claim to the chief benefit of the Holy Spirit. We know he is not earned. He is simply given upon request. So we ask, we believe, and we don't wait for a feeling. We don't need to see cloven tongues of fire. Your word is our receipt. So we believe ahead of an emotion or a sensation. We believe ahead of an outward demonstration. We believe right now. And we lay claim to your power. Father, I'm praying that after this sermon comes to a close, that we won't go back to our default settings of faith. Of just saying, Pastor, oh, I know what the word says, but we got to be realistic. We want to just, just go with what the word says, no matter how unrealistic it is to our senses. So Lord, we just pray as the disciples prayed, would you increase our faith? Lord, we submit to say, Lord, if you need to make me a test case, help me to be a demonstration. I realize I don't own the deed to my life. It belongs to you. And Father, help our faith to move from concept to practice, from theology to behavior. Help us not to go back the way we came, but to get more unrealistic until the day you appear. Would you bless us? Settle upon us. Renew us day after day. We pray it in the matchless name of Jesus. Let those that believe say together, amen. And amen. You may be seated.
Let all the unrealistic saints put your hands together and give Jesus praise. For those who came down, would you follow Miss Jacobed? Parents, if you want to join them as well. And let's put our hands together for all of our young people who came down to say yes to Jesus Christ. For those who are watching online, stay by. Want to meet you over in the Praise Cafe. Want to talk to you about some things that are coming up. Want to rejoice in the afterglow of God's goodness. And we pray that God will give you a wonderful, victorious week and a blessed camp meeting experience. God bless all of you. Amen. Today was a blessing, but it was also a challenge. Thank you, Pastor Snell, for giving us the word. Dear Lord, I pray that you will continue to bless us. Thank you for placing us at the table where the meal of your blessings are being served. And please allow us to have the humility to not see ourselves as higher than we are, but to accept all of the blessings you have, you've given us. But also, God, please give us the Holy Spirit. Give us more of the Holy Spirit. Please help us to ask for the Holy Spirit so that you can bless us abundantly. Lord, somebody needs to know that their faith works. So as our faith is tested in the coming days and weeks, allow our faith to be demonstrated and put on display for the benefit of your people. Please be with us as we leave this place. Allow our light to shine, allow it to shine brightly for the world to see, for our families, for our community. Please be with us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.